Hello, everybody. It's so, so lovely to be here on Thanksgiving, too. It's all the songs that Curtis chose in this passage. It's just all about giving thanks to Jesus for who he is. And I'm so, so excited that I got to preach from this passage. So, so good. So we're going to be looking at Colossians 1, 15 to 29. But most of our time is going to be in 15 to 20. So last week, Jeremy did an awesome job at introducing us to Colossians. And the Colossians were being told by these uh, people called Gnostics, they were being told that Jesus Christ wasn't enough. That he wasn't, it was, he was good, but you also could have some other things to go alongside Jesus. And that is exactly what we get told in our culture too. Even just walking around the mall, you can do tarot card readings. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this is just crazy. But those people wouldn't even outright deny Jesus. They would say, Jesus is good, but also do this. Or... Jesus is good, but just like Jeremy was saying, Buddha is also good too. So just bring a bunch of different things together. And that's what the Colossians were hearing. And Paul writes this letter to the Colossians to tell them that, no, that's wrong. That is so wrong. And it's only going to lead you into trouble. He's saying that Jesus, his main theme is Jesus is supreme. Jesus is above all else. Jesus is enough for you. He's sufficient. Jesus is all you need. He is above all else. And so Jeremy talked last week about having faith in Jesus, having love for the saints because of the hope we have in heaven. I talked about how the gospel transforms us. It really changes lives. Jesus really changes lives. And this week, after, so verse 1 to 14 are kind of like the introduction And then 15 is when Paul goes in on the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. As I was reading this, even just before we we really get into it, as I was studying this and reading this, I just realized this is, I, I need to know the supremacy of Jesus in my life. I need to know his sufficiency. I need to know that he is Lord, that he is King, and that everything that Paul's about to share with us, that this is... Like, this is the most important thing in our lives, and it shapes everything in our lives. So I'm actually just going to pray again, just for the Holy Spirit to, just to use the word to open our eyes so that we can experience this together, that we can know God's supremacy, Jesus' supremacy over all things. So let's just bow our heads and we can pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we're about to to read and study. I pray that you would open our eyes to, that we could know you, that we could be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, the depths of the riches and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. We want to know that this morning. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verses 15 to 20. I'll read this through and then we'll tackle it bit by bit together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is the image of the invisible God. In the Ten Commandments, God expressly said, do not make a carved image of of anything, me of anything. Don't make a carved image because nothing can perfectly reflect who God is. Nothing is a perfect reflection of God's image. And we are made in the image of God, but we are broken and sinful and fallen, so we do not reflect his image perfectly. But Paul is saying here, he is the image of the invisible God. Paul's saying right away, Jesus is the exact image of God. Hebrews says that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Paul is saying Jesus is God. That's his opening sentence. Jesus is God. He reflects God's image perfectly. He has all of God's attributes, all of his, the same character, the same nature. He is God. And this means that by looking at Jesus, we can know who God is. That the more time we spend looking at Jesus, reading about who Jesus is in the word, we can know God. Jesus said this in John 14, 9. He said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So we look at Jesus and we know who God is because Jesus is God. Jesus reveals God to us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And this verse always just kind of weirded me out. What does that mean, you know? Like Jehovah's Witnesses and other kind of beliefs or cults, they believe that this means that Jesus was the first created being, that there is God and that Jesus is a created being by God. And they also say that, in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God. So they take it to mean something different. But in order to understand this, because Paul, if Paul is saying that Jesus is God, he's not going to be saying that Jesus is also created by God. So we use the scriptures to interpret scripture. And what I found is that firstborn in the Bible is a title. It means above all else. So God said to David in Psalm 89, he said this, he said, I will make him, I will make David the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. The firstborn, which means the highest of the kings of the earth. And David was the youngest son, so he wasn't the firstborn. But, Jesus, but God said, I will make him the firstborn. So it's a title. And Paul is giving Jesus the title of the firstborn of all creation. Over all creation, highest in rank, first in authority. It is the highest position of anybody. That's what Paul is saying. Jesus is God and Jesus is king over the entire creation. Jesus is God and Jesus is the creator. He is the creator over creation, the firstborn. He is first. And as we go through this, you're going to notice the amount of firsts or heads like that, that, uh, that Paul use, 
uses. He is the firstborn. He is before all things. He is the head, the beginning, the firstborn, that he is preeminent. So Paul, again and again, is saying, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is enough. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. I was trying to just, uh, you ever just look at the stars and you're just like, this world is huge. And then you think about there's more stars past those stars. And then there's more stars past those stars. Uh, the universe is massive. And Jesus, Paul is saying, is king and creator over all of it. So think of your house, and then think of your neighborhood, and then think of lake country, and think of the Okanagan, think of BC, and then Canada, North America, the world, this, like, and then all the planets, all the stars, the sun, everything, and then the, the universe, like all the galaxies. Jesus is creator of it all, for by him all things were created. All things were created through him. He is the image of God, the king of creation, and the one who made the universe. He is above all. He means that this means that he also created you. He created you and me. All the stars, everything. He created you. And in fact, you are the apple of his eye, it says in the Psalms. Keep me as the apple of your eye. That in all of creation, what he is most proud of and most in love with is you and me. Jesus created it all. He created it all. And not only was all things created by him, but all things were created for him. All things created for him. And this means everything. This means everything. The reason that you are here is to know Jesus. The reason that you have breath in your lungs is to know Jesus, to worship him, to honor him, to glorify him. It's the reason that I'm alive today. This is the purpose of our lives. Anything else is missing it. Anything Jesus plus anything else is not getting the whole picture. Jesus alone is the reason why you are breathing today. He created you so that you may know him, that you may worship him. And sometimes our world says that that, that kind of point that we've been created to worship God they would call God an egomaniac. They would say, how do you just, like, that's so self-centered. Why does God need our worship? Why are we been created to worship him? But if God is the greatest good, if he is only good, if he is perfect and loving and peace-giving and just and merciful, and healing and forgiving. If he is the one who is holy, the one who works miracles, he deserves our worship. 
He is the only thing that actually does deserve our worship. We worship what we think is good. So I'm a big fan of Manchester United. Big fan. I could talk to you for hours about Manchester United. And I, I'm a guy who kind of remembers weird stuff. So I could tell you the team from like 2003. You know, I love them. And sometimes I probably love them too much to a point where I worship them a little bit. And I confess, it's not good. Working on it. But I do that because I think United, Manchester United is good. Just like in our lives, we think money is good. So we can worship it. We can give it our time and our focus and our attention. Or we think our families are good, and they are so, so good. All these things are good, I promise. But they are not what you've been made for. Things like, yeah, sports teams, money, sex, they're all good things, but they are not perfect things and not what you've been created for. God is what you've been created for, and he is the only perfectly good thing that we have in this world. He is so worthy of our worship, the only one who deserves our worship. The verse of the day on the Bible app the other day, which was just perfect timing, was Revelation 4.11. It said this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy are you to receive glory because you created all things. By your will, they existed and were created. He is worthy of our praise. He is so good. He created us. He created you. He created your kids. He created all things. And he is the only perfectly good thing in this world. We've been made by him and for him. Anything else is missing it. Anything else. He is the reason that you're alive. Our world is so, so broken, and all of us, whether you, if you know Jesus now, you can look back at a time where, where you just felt an emptiness. You felt just a void, a there's more to life than this. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason that you are alive. He is your life, so worthy of our worship. All things were created for him, and he is before all things. So Paul's just driving home the point that Jesus is creator God. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said. He always has been. Like, what an incredible answer. I, before Abraham was, I am. There's no past tense. There's, he's just, he is. He always has been. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And we can think about this in a couple of different ways. You can think about it in terms of creation, in terms of gravity and the galaxies and everything spinning in motion perfectly and, and cells being held together. Are, are the one who holds back the seas the mountains being perfectly in place, Jesus is the one who holds everything together. All of the mysteries of science can be answered in Jesus. And in terms of our lives, he is the one who holds us together. He holds you together this morning. Your life, your family, your job, everything, your relationships, he's holding you together. He's holding you right now. 
It says in Psalm 32, I believe, it says, He surrounds us in steadfast love. He's holding you. He's surrounding you. He's holding you together. This means that even in, in the times where we feel like our life is falling apart, where nothing is going right, where our perfect plan has just been thrown out the window, Jesus is the one constant. He's holding you through it. And maybe this morning you're in one of those times and it's just, you don't know, you don't see the way out, you don't, you don't understand how you're going to get out of this. And Jesus is saying to you right now, he's saying that he's holding you together. He's holding you and he will bring you through this, whatever it is you're facing. Family troubles, sickness, he has a perfect plan for you. And it might not look anything like you think it should or it, that it will, but he has a perfect plan for you and he holds you together. So that's the first chunk, 15 to 17. It's just Jesus above all. Jesus is supreme. He is the creator, the image of God. He is the one who created you. He is the greatest good. You've been made for him. All these beautiful, powerful statements. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus, Paul is, is driving home the point, you don't need anything else. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is enough for you and me. He is enough. And this next chunk of verses, 18 to 20, is about Jesus' relationship with the church. So if, if 15 to 17 are about his relationship with creation and the universe and you and me, this is about his relationship with the church. He is the head of the body, the church. I don't know if you know this, but a body is totally dependent on its head. Just simple, if you remember one thing from the sermon, you need your head. There's this one story though that I found, and I, I just had to say this in a sermon. My dad always said, don't let a sermon get in the way of a good illustration. And I just, I'm going to follow that advice. There was a, uh, I can't believe that this is actually in my sermon. There was uh, a chicken who lived for 18 months without a head. Did you know that? 18 months. I'm not going to go into detail about how he did it. Rachel said I shouldn't. But he lived for 18 months without a head. I'm here to say that that's not possible for you and me. We need our heads. And Jesus is the head of the church. You guys are only going to remember that. I know it. He's the headless chicken guy who came to speak at our church that one time. Jesus is the head of the church. The church cannot be alive without the head, Jesus. Without Jesus being at the front and center of everything, we will not survive. Lake Country is here today because Jesus is at the center of everything. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. This means that he has say total say over everything in the church, or he should, and sometimes we get in the way, but he is completely in charge of the church, and we need him in order to be alive, in order to change the communities that we're in, we need Jesus. He is the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning, again, he is before all things, the great I am, Alpha and the Omega supreme over all. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He was killed 
and he was raised after three days, and he lives forever. I heard this one sermon that Jesus performed, like he performed miracles where he brought people back to life. But all of those were kind of resuscitations. Jesus' was a resurrection, that he did not die again. He is alive forevermore. Revelation says this, and this is Jesus talking. I am the first and the last and the living one. And behold, I am alive forevermore. The living one, alive forevermore. Whose phone is that? Is that behind me? Oh, that's okay, Curtis. That's hilarious. I was like, I don't think it's Art's phone. That's so funny. <laughs> you gotta answer it. I am the living one. Behold, I am alive forevermore. He has beaten death forever, and now he lives forever. The firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. So that in everything, he is the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. Again, Paul saying, Jesus above all, Jesus is the head of the body, the beginning and the end the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have total control and say and leadership and authority over the church and everything that happens in it. Jesus is above all. He is sovereign. He is supreme over creation and over his church. And he loves his church. He died for the church. He is above all so that he might be preeminent. And he should be preeminent in our lives because of what the next two verses say. Verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He was fully God, again. He was God incarnate. He walked this earth filled with the fullness of God. And him being fully God means that he is enough for us. He's enough for you in your life. He's enough for me. And what he's done on the cross is enough for us. Verse 21, we'll skip 20 and get back to it in a second. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil Deeds. This is our, this is about, this is a verse about me. This is a verse about you. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, that we separated ourselves from God, the creator God, the God who made us, who in him all things hold together, the one who you've been made for, we separated ourselves from him the source of life we were alienated from. We were, it says in Ephesians, it says we were dead in our sins. No way out, we could not do anything about it. We were his enemies even. In the Old Testament, Israel would, would kill a spotless and innocent lamb as the price for their sins against God. The lamb's blood would wash away their sins, and it was all very symbolic, but God let it happen as a way for him to have some relationship with them, 
his chosen people, Israel, so it would make them clean and make peace between them and God. But it was temporary, and it was only for Israel, and death still reigned. The enemy still ruled over the world. And this is why Jesus being fully God is so incredible. Because our sins required, they were against an infinite God and they required an infinite payment and punishment. And Jesus being God, being infinite, is the only one who could have forgiven us and saved us from our sins. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus, the spotless and innocent and perfect lamb who takes away the sins of the world, he died for you and me. He died so that we could be clean, so that we could have eternal peace with God, so that death would be defeated forever, so that the enemy would be defeated forever. He lives forever and he passes that on to us. We can live forever with God and that starts now. We can know God now because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And this is huge. This is everything. We were separated from God. We were separated from him in our sin. We had no way of getting back to him. We were dead in our sins. We could not pay the wages of sin. We could not pay it, but Jesus came. The creator of the universe, the one who created you. He came to earth. He bore our sins and our shame. He died on the cross and he rose again so that we could be free from sin and death and that we could know God again. I was talking to Rach this morning and it's, it's God tore the veil. She reminded me of that. We can know God. God lives inside of us. That's crazy. God lives inside of us now. Jesus Christ inside of you. God has saved us through Jesus. We who were alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. So we've gone from alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds against God to holy, blameless, and above reproach before him solely because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. That is the most incredible truth. And he now lives in us. Verse 27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you the hope of glory. We can know the God who created the world. We can search the depths of his riches and wisdom and knowledge. We can know the one in whose hand are the depths of the earth. We can worship the one we've been created for. 
We can trust that he is holding us together. He is holding all things together. Those big questions that scientists ask that make, sometimes make us go like, oh, is that true? Like, is Jesus, is it evolution or whatever? Jesus is the answer. It says right here, he holds all things together. All things. We can know that he is just above all else. We can worship him. We can trust him. We can stand in awe before him. Holy and blameless and above reproach because of Jesus. This is the truth that our communities, our families, our friends need to hear. They need to hear it. I need to share it with people. You need to share it with people. We need to proclaim this. And that's what Paul says, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We must seek ways to share this truth. This world is desperate for purpose, desperate for meaning, and they're looking for it in Buddha, looking for it in Hinduism, in New Age stuff, in tarot card readings. This garbage, they need Jesus, the one who created them, the one in whom all things hold together, the one who holds them together, the one who's been with them through every trial, every messed up situation. They need to know Jesus. Because through Jesus, we find our purpose, our life, our forgiveness, our freedom, our peace, our joy, our eternal hope, the hope of glory. Our friends and families need to know this. They need to know this. It is the most incredible, beautiful truth. And yet we can be, I can be so worried and scared how to share it but we don't need to be scared. We don't need to be. Because it says this, for this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. That's God saying that he's with us. As we proclaim the truth of Jesus' supremacy over all things, God is saying, I'm right there with you and I'll help you. I will give you energy. I will give you the words to say. I will put you in the right situations. And we gotta ask for opportunities. We have to. I worked at Starbucks for five and a half years or so, five years, before I started working at the church. And whenever I asked for an opportunity to share the love of Christ with somebody, I would say like 90% of the time, I would be given an opportunity in the day where I could either say something or I could just hold back. And I never regretted saying anything, never. Because being able to share this and being able to tell somebody the very reason that they're alive today is because of Jesus, that's like, that's the best thing you could ever say to anybody. Jesus loves them, he died for them, he forgives them of their sins if they just repent and they can know him forever and ever. The one in who, who is perfect. And we search for these things that are so imperfect in this world. And we can say, I have something that is perfect. I know somebody who is perfect, who created you, 
who is the reason that you have breath in your lungs today. So we need to ask for opportunities and we need to seek ways to do it. And sometimes it can be hard and that people just either, it's funny, like I find our, our culture is very, some people are like, yeah, Jesus is great, you know, and, but they don't really get it. And other people are just very, they don't want anything to do with it. I'm starting to get, whenever I mention that I'm a pastor now or an apprentice pastor, they know the conversation's done. Nobody wants to have anything. I, I get that now, you know, because some people don't want to hear about Jesus. But everybody needs to hear about Jesus. And maybe it's through, yes, through your actions. And hopefully, and you should pray that those actions lead to opportunities to share and then we should just find ways that we can talk to people, have coffee with people, just invite them to church, just to love them. Because we are loving them the most when we are trying to show them the one who created them. When we are sharing the love that we've been shown ourselves and we get to share that with them, God's love for them, they get to see it, it changes lives. And that is what we are here for. We're called to make disciples. And all of us, I included, could be doing a better job at this. But Jesus is saying, I love you. Just, you're doing great. I'm with you. I'll give you energy. I'll give you the words. Just don't give up. Keep proclaiming me. Keep sharing the truth of Jesus. Share the truth. So we covered a lot of ground. There was a lot to say from that passage. Jesus is above all. He is supreme. He is the one who has created all things. The one in whom all things hold together. He always has been. He always will be. He is alive forevermore. He has beaten death and sin. He has forgiven us and made a way for others to be forgiven and he is in us and he is the hope of glory that glory that we will experience when we pass for eternity we will be in God's presence Jesus is above all and he is with us as we proclaim him and share him with others so this week I encourage you just to, to read the Bible. Read the Bible. It, that is where you will see over and over the supremacy of God, the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus, that he is enough for you. So read your Bible. And I read, it was a, a series by N.T. Wright called Paul for Everyone. And it just breaks down each, it breaks down the passages in all of Paul's books and it just makes it really clear and you see like what God is teaching us through that passage. Maybe you can get a copy of one of those. Just study the word of God and linger in it and just seek him. That passage, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. It just hit me. I want to know God. I want to experience him in my heart. If he is the greatest good, if he is above all else, if he's the one who made the stars, who, which the universe is still expanding because of his words, I want to know him. And the one who loved me and who died to save me, I want to know him. So ask, read the Bible, ask God to help you know him and desire him more.
And then just ask for opportunities to share the gospel. God's with you. God's with you in everything. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you just high and dry all by yourself. He loves you, and he wants other people to know his love. So as we worship, and as we just, and the team can come up, as we just focus on what we're giving thanks for this, this weekend, which is just incredible that this passage came on this day, is that Jesus is above all, and he is the one who we were created to worship. He is the one who we give thanks to. He is the one who saved us, who loves us. So as we worship, and as, as I'll pray, let's just stand in awe of him this week. Let's just focus our attention on him. Make him first. Remember that he is the greatest good, and that he is your life, that you've been created to know him, to worship him, and he loves you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for just who you are. Thank you for being before all things. Thank you for being the creator of all things. This beautiful world that we live in, you've created it. Thank you for creating us, Lord, for our families, for our friends, for creating us, for knitting us together in our mother's wombs. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who is fully man, fully God, to save us, to beat death, to live forever, and who now lives inside of us. Help us to know you. As we seek your face, help us to desire you more. We know that you are the purpose of our lives. And we're sorry, I'm sorry when I forget that and when I focus my energy and attention on other things. Help us to seek your face, God. And give us, please give us opportunities to share this truth with others. That they may know who created them. Why they've been, why they're alive, Lord. We love you and we just pray your Holy Spirit would bless us, give us energy this week. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done on all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.